0: When that first lockdown hit, that was when I really, really struggled. Um, and like I definitely had like an eating disorder relapse.
1: Missy Lancaster picked up a guitar. It was the beginning of a beautiful relationship with the Aussie instantly falling in love.
0: And that was pretty scary because I think that was when I realized how sick I was and my body just wasn't wasn't fighting.
1: Yeah. Is there a point in time where the mental health was shaken up a little bit, is there a point in time where you look back and think, I nearly didn't make it through that point as an artist? G'day, g'day. Welcome back to another episode of A Lot To Talk About. Very excited to be here, to be here with someone who deserves a bloody amazing intro. Of course, I'll intro myself first. It is your host, the captain of the ship, the man in charge, Bradley J. Driver of course call me brad and today's guest is actually someone that i had the privilege of meeting around two years ago now during lockdown times down at the beach she's an incredibly talented country music artist nominated for three golden guitars nominated for cmc country music awards she's actually just come from performing at the country music awards up in queensland an incredible artist with literally tens of millions of streams on the streaming platforms that I'm sure you all know and love her from. She is currently a local of the Illawarra, but I think destined for amazing things around the world. So from your home, your car or wherever you are, give a very warm welcome to the one, the only Missy Lancaster.
0: Yay. (laughs) Thank you. Thanks for having me. Pleasure.
1: It's an absolute pleasure. Like I said, we had the privilege. I always like to share first, like where I got to know the guest.
0: It was North Beach. It was North about Beach. seven o'clock in the morning at North Beach. Yes, I just a, come out of the water, and it was a beautiful day.
1: Yes, <laughs> Love I that. think beautiful day in the middle of winter. I just yeah. come from a swim. Pretty sure you were having a coffee.
0: Yeah, we we had just done like a little look. I didn't do a swim. I'm like not much of a morning person, but I did get up and watch the sunrise. Love watching the sunrise.
1: Beautiful. Yeah, beautiful. And for me, it was a shock when we sat here today. It's the first time I've seen you since then. Yeah. Um, obviously we've got each other on socials, so I've been able to see what you're up to and you're doing amazing things, but I didn't realize that you live so close.
0: Yeah, I know. Which is nice. I'm a local just up the road.
1: Which I think probably comes as a shock because you are so often around the country performing and doing the amazing things that you do. And we're going to talk about all of that today, but I love to start any pot off really with an idea of like where all of this comes from those early years, the childhood, And, you know, you alluded to it when we chatted off mic before that country music has always been a part of your life. So where did you grow up and when did country music become something you presently loved?
0: Yeah, I think like for me, country music has always been, you know, such a big thing in my life ever since I was little. um, I was introduced to country music when I was about three years old. My mum and dad used to play it and we've always... You know done a lot of camping and I can just remember like all of our family holidays <laughs> my dad would like he loves to drive so my dad yeah. loves a road trip so we would like you know all get in the car together and that was where I fell in love with country music because we mm-hmm. used to listen to you know all of these different country music albums um, and I grew up in Picton which is the closest country town yeah. to <laughs> Sydney so it was always destined that I was going to be a country girl. And um, I think it's just been, yeah, like an amazing thing to be able to kind of incorporate my love for country music and kind of pursue that as a Mm. career.
1: Would you say that you realized yourself that you were talented as a musician or was it more so other people around you saying, hey, there's something here?
0: Yeah, it was like I like I always love singing and like I can remember, oh gosh, I would have been maybe like eight years old. And I was in primary school and I was in the choir. Like, so I was like always like in the dance group or like I wasn't yeah, a good dancer okay. at all. <laughs> but I'd like take like any opportunity that I could to like, get yeah. on stage and just like have a bit of fun. Um, and I can remember it was my cousin's 21st and it was just like in this random hall in Campbelltown. And they had like a microphone and a speaker. And at that time, the choir was rehearsing like Where Is Love from Oliver. Yeah and I got up on stage I like I didn't tell anyone that I was going to do it (laughs) I just I got the microphone and turned it on and I got up (laughs) and started singing like no intro no context just you know whatsoever um and everyone was like what the hell and saying like mom and dad you know like you might have like a little performer on your hands um and it was always something that I kind of loved but I just never kind of imagine that I was like good enough to kind of be able to do that I had always watched you know all the other people that I went to school with and things like that and I was like oh like they're all better than me you know like so yeah. I, I love to like be a part of it but I never kind of um, saw myself as being like a lead kind mm. of person and then when I got a bit older I started entering talent quests and writing songs and things like that and you know I kind of like started winning and
1: things like that and I'm like starts to confirm a little bit yeah and I'm like
0: maybe maybe like I can do this and um you know it all kind of started like I was playing at a pub in Tamworth and that was when you know um I signed like with my first manager and literally I'd like come off stage and he was like hi like You know, um, I'm a manager in country music. I think that you're really Mm. good. I'd love to have a meeting with you. And then it kind of all just went from there. And I'm like, okay, all right, looks like I'm doing it.
1: It's so interesting, isn't it? Like sometimes we don't realize how talented we are until you get that outside confirmation. Yeah. For you, like... It sounds like this has come very naturally for you. It was like just an instinct to go out there for some reason and sing and perform on stage. Yeah. At what point in your life did you really start to go, okay, I actually want to get better at this and I want to start to – like did you ever have a teacher? Like you obviously play guitar really well as oh, well. Oh,
0: thank you. See, guitar guitar was kind of like something that I picked up. Like,
1: <laughs> like as like an artist, I'm like
0: I feel like I don't play guitar well at all, but I think that's because I'm just – around so many musicians and, and things like that. Um, but you know, I always had, um, singing lessons and, Mm. and things like that. Um, and I think when I was maybe 20, um, that was when, yeah, I had signed with my first manager because I had left school and like pursued like a teaching degree. So I was like, I'm going to be a primary school teacher you know, this is what I'm going to do. And I, you know, I started playing in bars when I was like 15 years old. Yeah. And it's funny because when I was younger, I used to look a lot older than, okay. than what I was. So I would like get dressed up and like, just go into pubs and be like, hi, like, here's my card. Like, you know, like I'm a singer, like blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And they would kind of book me and no one, no one ever checked for my ID. So I'd be like, in the pub on a Friday night when I was like 16, mm. like playing gigs to like all these drunk, rowdy people. So I feel like I, I, always, I always knew how to entertain, if that makes sense. Um, but it was never, you know, that was never kind of my end goal. I just did it because I loved it. And I thought, you know, yeah. if, if I can make a bit of money off this, then, you know, great. And it was good because like I was earning really good money when I was in year 12 and everyone was kind of, you know, working like these side jobs that they hated and, yeah. and going to school where I was kind of playing like two, three gigs every weekend. Um, but yeah, it was when, you know, I signed with my first manager and I was like, okay, like we're going to Nashville. Okay. Like I think That's I'm just wild, gonna, gonna give them, yeah, the teaching, teaching away. And yeah, I did that and haven't looked back.
1: It's amazing. I have to ask, you know, being at that age, performing live, I think in this current age, like had you been 20 right now in 2022, you know, probably would have been on social media performing where oh God, yeah. because of the time, like the natural instinct is going to a pub yeah. and perform in front of a live audience. <laughs> yep. How much do you think that decision has helped you now as a performer in actually navigating like the confidence on stage and just naturally feeling like it's, a part of who you are when you get up and perform?
0: Yeah, I think for me, um, I know like a lot of other artists have kind of just been, been signed um, and they don't have any performing experience or mm. any ideas of like how the ins and outs work yeah. of like putting on a show and, and actually entertaining and things like that. So I think for me, I kind of learned like I learned the hard way of like entertaining people in a pub that are drunk, that are like absolute hard asses. Like if you're yeah. not singing well, they'll tell you. Um, so that was kind of how I learned to entertain. And, you know, um, I think that's really the best way that you can learn. You need to, you can research all you want on how to be the best performer, how to do it best. But I think the most important thing is actually doing doing the work and For learning sure. learning you know, you right time to like, like, you know, I would be like 21 and I'd be like, okay, I'm just going to test this now. Now I've got like the crowd's attention after singing covers for however long. Um, this is a song I wrote, blah, blah, blah. And if you've got the crowd listening, then that's the time, you know, for to sure. like push, push the original thing. So I think, you know, that was good for me to be able to learn you know, just certain times when you're on stage, if it's okay to like go off script a little bit or stick to the show, I think it's really important.
1: You know, it's funny when somebody in your space as a creative, as an artist decides to take that first leap of faith, you know, there's definitely, I guess, a little bit of doubt that's naturally going to come from people who don't know you. Mm -hmm. Would you say that as a kid, you're a bit of a dreamer? And if you could kind of explain your childhood and your parent the relationship with your parents, were they super supportive of you walking away from, you know, because a lot of parents freak out. You step oh, yeah. away from a job, my you parents step away from education. Still freak out. Yeah.
0: <laughs> like literally. And because, you know, like my mum and dad had like a joinery business. Um, I'm from like a family of coal miners. So for me, doing music, it's like such a like foreign thing. Yeah. In my family. Um, and it's funny. You know, because in saying that, I've got three cousins that are professional golfers. So okay, go. one lives in um, in America, and the other two live in China. So it's really oh, wow. we've got like a really interesting, yeah, kind of thing happening in our family. But I'm the only person that's kind of done music, and my parents were definitely really scared, and I think you know they still worry about me because they see, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to like sugarcoat it. Like music industry is, is really, really hard. And you do have to be mentally, mentally strong. And I think that's the stuff that you don't see. You don't see the behind the scenes mm-hmm. stuff. And when you first start out and you get a big break, it's like, Oh my God, this is amazing. And like, all these people love me and like, woohoo, like it's, it's going to be great. You think it's all going to be, you know, sunshine and lollipops. And yeah. I think it's, when you kind of get to like the middle stage of the career where it's like, if you've had like one hit or a bit of success, you then have to, you know, keep that, keep that, um, going. And I think that's probably the hardest thing. And I have so much respect for the people, um, that just really power through it, like regardless of, you know, how hard it gets at times.
1: Would you say that Obviously it's a huge confidence booster when a manager in Temworth comes up and says, hey, like you've got a really special talent for country music. I'd love to sign you. That boosts the confidence. Does it somewhat make you a little bit naive that it's all going to be easy from then on? Yeah.
0: Yeah, like, yeah. When that happened, I was like, me? I was like, what? Like, really? Like, yeah. So I, I was kind of blown away and then, you know, when he told me, um, you know, that he actually managed like the artists that I have listened to for my whole career. Um, that was definitely like a crazy thing. So I was like, Oh my God, I'm just like such a fangirl, like really. Um, but yeah, like I, I learned pretty early on that it was going to be, going to be hard. Um, what would you
1: say was the first moment that it kind of hit you and you thought this is going to be a real struggle to make it? to where I want to go?
0: Oh, that's hard. Probably I would actually have to say it was the 2016 Toyota Star Maker year. Um, and I can remember it's, you know, this big, um, this big competition that they have in Tamworth and it's basically for like the emerging, you know, country music artists. And there was so much, you know, hype around it and I was in the top three and... Um, and I didn't win, and that was like really soul destroying at the time because I was like, "I've worked so I've worked so hard all week, all week for this." Um, but you know, I didn't win, and then I ended up you know signing my first record deal like a couple of weeks later. So then I was like, "Okay, like this is fine, like it's all good." But I think you know there are things that really knock you down, and then you know there'll be something else that comes along, and you're like okay, like that didn't work out. So now I need to find a different route, different if that path, makes sense. Yeah.
1: Yeah, for sure. Because, you know, we spoke about it before off mic that when you love anything or anyone or you have hopes or dreams in this world, then you're susceptible to pain. And that pain yeah. as a creative, as an artist is <laughs> ever so present when Oh my gosh. life definitely punches you in the face at points in time. Like I remember spoken about it before once or twice on the show. I remember leaving my former career, starting a podcast and thinking, fuck, give me a year and I'll be like Rogan. Yeah, 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 (laughs) yeah. Like I'll be the biggest star in the world. (laughs) Like this will be a number one podcast. Fuck, so naive of me. Yeah, yeah. But I look back on that and I think, well, I'm so incredibly lucky and I'm so blessed that I found what I love because for all of the hardships, I was able to to have a reason, a real why as to why I wanted to keep moving forward. Mm. But I think where people maybe go wrong is – they think that the path to start and will success, that the final destination will be more rewarding than the process and they don't actually love the art. But you love this.
0: And I I think that's the biggest thing. Like you can see straight through, or I know I can. I can see straight through an artist that doesn't love what they do. You can see it, you know, like in the person's eyes when they're on stage and like. You know, I've always – like I genuinely love country music. I live and breathe it. So, you know, like I'm just as happy to be a punter out in the crowd watching country yeah. music as I am being on stage because I, I just have a love um, for music. So I think the music always has to come first because if the passion's not there, you're just going to give up.
1: No passion, no straight point. Straight away. Exactly. You know, you just touched on something there, like you're happy to be the puncher in the crowd. And I've definitely noticed that on your stories yeah. and like, like socials. yeah, you're out there having a good time when yeah. you're, you know, when your time to perform is up. How important do you think it is as someone who creates mm. and, you know, music is something that is really intimate for people, right? Mm. Whether someone's going through a tough time or they want to be uplifted or they're there enjoying a moment or memory with friends and family. Mm everyone turns to music like music is such a foundational part of the lives that we all lead and I think from my perspective that being a, a punter and someone who celebrates music would make it easier to create meaningful art
0: yeah and I think it is really important to you know to actually go out and like and watch the music because I think you forget when you're always on the other side of it you forget what it feels like and it is a very different like experience. I know that being on stage, you know, you might, sometimes you have days where you're like, I don't know, like if that like translated well, because sometimes, you know, at these gigs you're up on a, on a big screen and there might be 20,000 people there watching you, yeah. but they're all like scattered. So you, you don't have that um, super like intimate thing, like how me and you were speaking right now. Yeah. hard to kind of like make eye contact with people and things like that and then it's like when you go out into the crowd or watch it back you're Mm. like oh okay no that that did translate well um so I think you know it kind of to go back out and like be a punter you kind of remember um why you do what you do and I think it's just you know it gives you um more more to write about if yeah. that makes sense from like a creative perspective, it's about, you know, going out and like experiencing things and then creating music from it. Because if you're always just on the other side of it, you know, like you perform and then you, you go off stage and then you just go straight home to bed. For, for me personally, I'm like, I know I should do that more. But um, for me personally, I, I need to be able to, you know, be energetic and interact with people. Definitely. Um, and you know, when I really live my life to be able to create music. Otherwise, if I don't kind of do that, uh, if if you lose why you started it in the first place, then the music's not real. It, it loses that organicness.
1: Yeah, I'd agree. I, you know, I think probably in the last couple of years, it's become. I think socials probably helped with this. We've started to see behind the scenes of music a little bit more. Mm. And I would say I was probably naive enough until the last few years to almost think that artists wrote their own music all the time. I think one thing that is super um, impressive with you and probably the thing that impresses me the most as someone who loves being creative and telling stories Mm. is that you write a lot of music, not just for yourself, but for other people. Thank you. When you're in that process, my pleasure, like, is there a standard process for you that you go through to write? Do you feel like, is it more disciplined i know there's artists who'll sit down every day and write for writing's sake just to get better at it or for you is it more that moment of divine inspiration comes through oh, yeah. and you're like now we're using it
0: it's definitely like the moment like sometimes i'll just be sitting down and having a conversation with someone and someone will say something and i'm like that's a great song idea or like i'll say something yeah. and i'm like like how can i twist that um in saying that like you know when you do these writing trips and you know when you go into songwriting sessions like they're all planned and there are you know writers that work every day Mm. Monday to Friday and when you go to work you go and write songs um I think it just kind of depends on depends on the person I know for me um some days like I'll get into a session and you know it's like okay today I'm gonna write a song about this and then I get in there and say if I've had a terrible morning or or if something's happened, sometimes, you know, you go into the session and then the other writer will be like, how's your morning going? And you're like, oh, my God, this just happened and like blah, 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 blah. And then that sparks something, like some kind of like inspiration and then you go, okay, we're going to write a song about that. I think it's just about um, working out what is going to flow the easiest Mm. and what is real to you in that moment rather than just trying to, you know, get something out for the sake of it that's going to be a bit half-assed. I'd rather just be like, I'm having a terrible, like, terrible day. I just need to write a sad song, get it out of my system, and yeah. then, like, cool, we can keep writing boat songs. Uh, but I think, yeah, it is just important to, I think, be real in your songs. And like we were saying before, um, you know, if you're being really Honest um, and being really vulnerable, chances are, you know, that other people are going to feel that too. Because I think, Definitely. you know, as an artist, and I know I've been through it. Like, I go, oh gosh, I feel like that's too intense mm. to like say in a song. But then I have a moment where I go, we're all human at the end of the day. I'm sure I'm not the only person that has felt like this. So maybe it's not such a crazy thing to open up and be that vulnerable.
1: Yeah, I couldn't agree with that more. And it's, you know, it's it's a fine line though, isn't it? Because we see artists who are so tortured in their personal life and you can see that their music is a reflection of that. Mm. But whilst it creates beautiful art, it sometimes can be the tug of war that is lost with who you are as a human being. Oh and, my God, yes. You know, and, and that's <laughs> such a challenge. So and how do you separate it?
0: it? Oh my God, that is like... It's such a thing because like, I don't know, I feel like there's artists that just like really stay in that like super deep like emotional kind of level of songwriting and it's like it's beautiful and it's tragic at the same time. Mm. Um, And I know, you know, there's certain things that like I've been through in my life where I'm like, oh, my God, it was awful and like soul-destroying but I also wrote a lot of good music. during that time times you know where I could be super vulnerable and just feel what I needed to feel and it it really translated but I think sometimes as the artist and the writer you do need to put your own mental health first um and just sometimes you know look after yourself um have have a few months where you kind of reflect don't get me wrong write all the sad songs then I think it's good to like, once you've written the sad songs, then pick yourself up yeah. and power on.
1: Because I almost find that looking from the outside in, it happens in this world too with, mm. you know, people who become podcast hosts or speakers or, you know, they like to talk on certain topics. It almost from the outside in can look as though they're looking for pain. Like, because usually when you experience pain, you know, one of, the saying, one of the quotes that I love is pain is inevitable, suffering is a choice. And I always say, choose your suffering wisely. There's a difference between suffering for the sake of suffering and sacrificing for the greater good of, you know, relieving yourself from future pain. But I look at some artists or creatively, I guess, creatively geared people and they recognize pain. But Mm. instead of looking for answers, they look to replicate it because they feel like it's good for art.
0: And it is, don't get me wrong, great for art, but... You know, I think it is important to like, yeah, just not not stay in it, not yeah. stay in it all the time. And I think, you know, musically, you kind of have to have different chapters. Um, and I think, you know, if you are going through a really hard time, it's great to delve into that world. But, you know, it's all about the journey, the journey of it. I, yeah. Yeah. I don't know if that
1: makes sense. It makes a lot of sense. Would you say that there's things that have become almost routine or discipline to keep your mental health in check, to keep you in a really good place so that you can go into those zones and write that music and get super vulnerable, emotional, be really honest with you know your listeners and your fans, but at the same point, keep you in check?
0: Yeah, I think the biggest thing for me um, was coming into the music industry like I'm like a very naive person where and like I always have been where I'm like I love everyone and like yeah. you know like people you know will be really nice to your face and then say really really mean things about you. And I think what I struggle with the most um, in music is like being a young female and like I was just like I was a little girl basically when I mm. when I started and I had no idea what I was doing I was just doing my best because I loved music just trying to put myself out there and you know, there are a lot of people that didn't like me and I took it so personally because I was like, why do these people not like me? Like I've like been nice to them. Um and I I just like really took that on board. Um and I think, you know, you learn very quickly that music is cutthroat. And at the end of the day, it's actually not about you or how good of a person you are or how nice you are. It's purely about the performance kind of side of things and so much of it is like you know like you know what you wear on stage or like you know just so many
1: moving parts
0: quite yeah materialistic kind of um things and I always took it on board and it used to really affect my mental health because I was like you know people don't like me like I should just give up you know blah 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 so I think it's you know I'm very strong now in knowing that like, you know, I have my personal life yeah. and then I have music and I need to be able to separate the two. And if I do a bad performance or if I do something wrong or go, okay, like shouldn't have done that, that was a bad idea, next time I need to do it more like this. Um, I think it's being able to go home, being able to take it on board and then go, Okay, that was a bad day at work. Now I need to like watch some Netflix or, you yeah. know, go back to like being being the normal me and, and not beat yourself up. And I think that is the hardest thing about music is being able to separate the two and like just because mm. you had a bad a bad show or you didn't sing as well as you normally do doesn't mean that you're a bad person. It's just a bad day at work, if that makes sense.
1: It does you know, you spoke about what everything you touched on there sounds like a lot of maturity and wisdom. And I think (laughs) time only allows that to develop. Yeah. Is there a point in time where the mental health was shaken up a little bit? Is there a point in time where you look back and think, well, I nearly didn't make it through that point as an artist?
0: Yeah, I think, um, probably like I, I was diagnosed with anorexia when I was, just 17. I can remember it was actually my 17th birthday. And at that time, <laughs> and I, I don't even know kind of like how it came on. I just, you know, I think I was just in that process of like growing up and I didn't know kind of what I wanted to do. I always loved music, but I felt like I needed to go to uni and things like that. And, you know, I, I think it, for me, it was just um, a huge thing of like control and yeah. my Eating disorder was something that I could control. Um, and that was when I was admitted into the adolescent medicine ward at Westmead Hospital. And I was under there until I think I was just past my 21st birthday. And after that, um, that was when I got signed, and all the music stuff just took completely off. And I was like, yep, I'm good. Like, this doesn't exist anymore. Mm. This eating disorder thing. And I, I stopped, um, doing, you know, the little things that used to help me because I was so wrapped up in music because there was so much, you know, good stuff happening and things like that. And definitely when that first lockdown hit, that was when I really, really struggled. Um, and I definitely had like an eating disorder relapse because, you know, I had gone from, like, being on the road every weekend and yeah. always doing something. Like, I'm, like, a very, like, busy person, so I'm doing something all the time and I don't sit down and just, like, <laughs> chill much, which, days, I, great
1: example. which
0: I need to do more. Um, so I think, you know, being forced to, like, just sit still and and it was just the, the unknowing of, like, when stuff was going to go back to normal. And I know that I'm not the only person – that felt like that. And I feel like we were forced to sit with ourselves and it was like, Oh God, like all your deepest, darkest problems kind of come to the surface. Mm. Um, when you don't have that escape route of being busy and <laughs> being able to, you know, concentrate on other things. So for me, I was definitely like, just forced, like I had to sit with it and be like, this is awful. Um, you know, and I, I definitely really struggled With that, and I think, you know, even when we came out of lockdown, things went back to normal but not for us. We were still out of work um, and there were times where I'm like, I don't know why I do this. Why would I bother putting so much time and energy into writing songs and doing all of this stuff for music when we can't even perform and just not even knowing like a no singing and dancing rule. I'm sorry but like we can have 80,000 people at the football screaming
1: yeah but you can't stand up at a pub but you can't sing like come on like what an absolute joke it's almost like the aftershock of the earthquake right like there's Mm -hmm. the moment that it's happening and then for that industry in particular it kind of remained to be an issue yep you know it's interesting hearing you say that because that's obviously the time that we met and i think it speaks to i think it speaks to the simple fact that what looks always like Loving and positive and happy on the surface mm-hmm. isn't always a situation inside the mind. Yeah, you know, one thing that I found in lockdown is I probably thrived in those two years because just prior to that, I was forced into a situation where I was, I was probably unhappy for six months prior to lockdown with my yeah. work situation. I think a couple years of feeling really at a loss with who I was. And really questioning where my place was in the world and what life yeah. was meant to mean for me yep. forced me to figure out who I was. Mm. And so I feel as lockdown began, I had a real grasp of who I was. And it was like almost a, a period of enlightening, sort of I like enlightenment that. where it was like, oh, well, I actually get to focus on these things I've figured out about myself now. Yeah. And I would actually describe that two years as the best two years of my life. It's very far.
0: interesting, isn't it?
1: It's very interesting. But I can and I literally wrote about this just the other day. I can see how on the flip side of the coin, where mm-hmm. life has provided smoke and mirrors, <laughs> you head into this space where all of a sudden all of the things that you used to seek validation in or you used to find meaning in and mm-hmm. are now taken away from you. Oh yeah. Then it you know, you're just you in the mirror. It's who the fuck am I? Oh yeah. And how do I navigate this process? So when you feel that, when you first recognize that that's becoming an issue and that mm. something I need to solve, like what, what do you go to?
0: Um, yeah, I, I definitely just need to like take a step back from everything. And I know I'm such like an overworker mm. and I feel like I've always like I'm a huge perfectionist. So I'm like, if I do something like, I really want to do it well, it'll try my yeah. absolute hardest and, you know, I'm just kind of someone that's like never said no. You know, if someone says, oh, you know, do you want to come and write a song? I'm like, yeah, okay, okay, even, okay, I've got like a 50-hour working week but sure, yeah, I'll come oh, and I'm write not. a song. So I think for me it's important to definitely take a step back from the music industry. Mm. Um, because yeah, like having that background with an eating disorder, um, I think I lived in denial for so long where I was like, nope, like everything's fine. It's all good. Um, and I definitely had that realization in lockdown as like, okay, I can now see that this is something that is never gonna go away. Um, and I think people try to be encouraging and people say, you know, you can make it through anything and like, you know, you can recover, you know, through anything. But I think for me it was like, that's just like palming it off. Like I'm not actually dealing with it. Mm. Um, I have an unrealistic like idea in my head if I think that this isn't going to be something that I'm always going to have to deal with. So right now in my life I need to, you know, take steps, um, to really look after my mental health and, um, and just know that like it is always going to be there, and I know that you know other eating disorder sufferers, people that have been through it, you know, always say the same thing, and I think it's just learning how to manage it.
1: I couldn't have said that better myself. For someone who's not experienced that, and, yeah, and that challenge in life, I can say that I've experienced a few challenges. And I would say that there's this there's this idea that when you've found an answer to a question you've been trying to solve. It's done. Yeah, it's it's gone. You know, it fades away. You know, I think it's the same with courage. And a lot of what you're talking about is having the courage to face challenges head on. Even though you're like, oh my god, this is (laughs) Yeah.
0: (sighs) And and most of the time I'm like, nope. And and the the thing is,
1: the simple fact is that fear is the act. Look, it's recognizing fear encourages the act of acting in spite of fear. Yeah. And there's this idea that you just alluded to that once you're what you would consider courageous or once you've developed courage that all fear diminishes. And it's not the case. Oh, no way. Because fear will always be there or challenges and adversity will always be there. It's just knowing that you have the tools necessary to deal with it better next time. Yeah. Or to find your feet again.
0: And I think it is like really interesting, like interesting, just like touching on what you just said, because, you know, (laughs) what would have triggered me when I was 17 wouldn't trigger me now. But then there's all these new things, you know, that like when you move up in in your career and when you move on with life and you take on new responsibilities, there's always going to be something new that's going to trigger you. So it is about, you know, finding out how to be strong mentally and and just to be able to move through it I guess.
1: And it almost feels as though if you don't get comfortable with that idea you'd almost halt the progress of your career because Mm. a part of knowing that you're going to evolve and grow in this space is accepting the fact that new things will challenge you. Yep. That new adversity will come. Mm -hmm. I have to ask you know you've you've spoken about all of this here and I look at you know we've touched on a little bit in our Mm. pre-conversation how the worlds of people who are working as athletes or yeah. creatives or artists are somewhat outside of that nine to five box mm. but i look at athletes and i think you know i'm a big boxing fan and i love listening to boxers talk about their routine and their training and i love watching it and i was listening to um, a couple of boxes the other day on a podcast mm. and I was talking about how boxing has provided a structure and a routine and a sense of discipline to their life mm-hmm. that is almost even post-career essential to keep because it gives them gives them direction. It's like that discipline gives them freedom. Yeah. And for a lot of them it's without discipline. They yeah. find their life starts to fall apart. But it's, I look at yeah. art and I look at your industry yeah. and there isn't a sense of routine.
0: There's <laughs> no routine and like You have to be okay with not having a routine. And like sometimes like I've always been a very like go with the flow person. Like, Mm. you know, if I get really bored with routine, I'm like I can't do the same week again. Like, you know, the idea of like going and sitting in an office Monday to Friday and doing something that I hate and don't care Mm. about, (laughs) like I'm not going to do that job. Well, I'm not the girl for that job because I... It's just not my passion. Um, And some
1: people love that security. Some people love that consistency. I'm similar to you where I need a fresh sense of like what the next day could look like. Yeah. But I I have to ask the question because even with my weeks looking different week to week and my days are always different, I still have a sense of like, I wake up at quarter to five and the first yeah. thing I do is like in 95% of occasions is like go for a run or go to the gym or yep. go do something. Have you found any disciplines or routines in your life that allow the manic nature of like unpredictability to feel somewhat comfortable?
0: Yeah, I think like for me, I'm such a weirdo and like if we're, if we're like away like on tour or whatever or like my phone's dead or something, I'm like – I'm like a huge like meditation person and every night when I go to sleep, I like – I need to listen to my meditation so I have like white noise that I play. I'm like a little baby that just like drifts off to sleep Um, or I listen to like sleep stories and things like that and people will be like, like what the hell are you listening to? Like I woke up and I could like hear a man talking and I'm like, oh, yeah, like that's just on my phone. That was just my sleep story. Um, But, yeah, definitely like my meditation – at night, I'm like I need my earplugs, mm. mainly because my fiance snores. Like, okay, snores his head off. Okay. So I'm like I need I need my earplugs, um, and I love my morning coffee. My morning
1: coffee, and oh, I think so that's the best the thing. thing ever. People try to overcomplicate routine. It can be so simple. Yeah. It's just the thing that kind of like clicks you into gear, or the thing that allows you to settle. Yeah. And it's funny you say you talk about white noise. I took a solo trip to Port Douglas at the start of the year. Oh my
0: God, how good is Port Douglas? So So beautiful. And it
1: was such, it was actually one of my favorite Mm. periods of the year. Like I felt, felt like going into Port Douglas, there were some things that were like frustrating me in my life at the time and things I needed to figure out about myself. And I went there and i come out of that 10 days so relaxed oh yeah so much i've i made so much sense and had shone so much light on my situation and where i was at in my life that i come back very clear and one thing that i found was it was kind of weird because it was the first time in a while that i was going to bed like just knowing that for like the next 10 days i was nothing nothing i like, had to do nothing i had to do it was yeah. weird <laughs> but that almost like sad Sat a little odd with me? Yeah. But I was like, how do I go to sleep if like there's no reason to like go, to sleep. To, go to sleep right now? <laughs> and so I clicked on, I found white noise and oh, I found best. like, it was like this podcast. It was like the, Is it? it had the most monotone thing. It was like, welcome to like the eight hour sleep podcast. <laughs> and like, it was eight hours of just rolling nature noises and white noise. I love that. And I've never slept better in my life. I slept like a baby.
0: Yeah. and it's it's, so good. It's funny, like, even when I'm at home, like, if I'm, like, feeling a little bit stressed or whatever or even, like, I don't know, cooking dinner or just doing random things, if it's not country music, I know that this is really Mm. weird as well. I, like, love listening to, like, Hawaiian music. Oh, really? It just, like, it makes me feel so relaxed and it's just so, like, I don't know, it just makes me feel like I'm in Hawaii. So I just put it on and I'm, like, I feel much better now. Or if I'm, like, I don't know, in a bit of a bad mood or something, I just – chuck on some hawaiian music and i'm like okay i'm like yeah, I'm it is now. very calming oh uh, yeah
1: yeah the, you know it's funny i my go-to which you know I, I would say i've never really like put it on in the car or i've never put it on to work out or mm. when i'm just like vibing around but my go-to of a night yeah. is the cinematic orchestra oh so really yeah. i feel like that's so intense It is, but it somewhat calms me. I think it puts me into a good dreaming state. Oh god, I can't imagine what my dreams would be like. Just like maybe it's maybe it's the storyteller in me, but it's like that, like um, "To Build a Home," like that song, um, "The Arrival (laughs) of the Birds." Like it's it's so odd. It's so (laughs) odd. But I just need like (laughs) ten minutes of it. And I feel so relaxed.
0: See, if I if I was, like, listening to that, my dreams would be, like, me, like, in a wild, like, yeah. car chase driving yeah. off the cliff or, like, yeah. something I like that. I think that's
1: the storyteller in me. Like, it wants to dream something <laughs> bold. It wants to dream something big. So
0: so I, I like, I need to stop dreaming because I just, like, live in the clouds yeah. 24-7. Mm. Like, as, I think just being so artistic that my brain's like, woo! Yeah. Like, literally all the time and it's funny because on my sleep app oh, it's so strange I don't know what one you have but on my sleep app there's like all the different noises that you can listen to and there's like white noise there's brown noise okay. I'm like oh interesting interesting yeah um anyway and then there's like there's all these other things that you can listen to like um like the noise of like a fan or like <laughs> the noise of like a burnout like there's all these random yeah, things yeah and one of them is, like, someone chewing a cucumber. And I'm like, what the hell? I'm like, that's a very strange
1: thing. Like, Imagine being the person recording that in the studio. Like, what's I'm this like, for? That's oh, for the sleep app. I'm just okay. like, what the hell? Like, that's such a strange thing.
0: I forget where I was going with this.
1: I don't know, but we've just we've gone on a tangent, haven't we? Oh, routines. oh routine. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So.
0: And I get a notification every night at 11 p.m. And it's, like, always when I'm, like, in the middle of, like, my Netflix binge. Yeah. I think because, like... You know, we work so late um, as musos. When I come home, I'm like, okay, now like everyone's asleep. This is my time to like Mm. just chill. I can watch Netflix, be uninterrupted. Um, And I get like this little notification from like the sleep app saying like it's bedtime have you ever tried to compose your own sleep melodies? And I'm like, yes, all the time. I'm like, I need my sleep app to like help me wind down so I'm not just
1: constantly composing yeah. melodies. Thinking about work, yeah. yeah Maybe yeah, yeah, it needs yeah. to change its alert. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm really interested as to, you know, you've, you've had some real hits. and Oh, thanks. Like, and, and you were so talented. And here's, you know, something I said to you before was, I wouldn't say I've got a favorite style of music. Like I float in and out of different styles and I appreciate, I appreciate lyrics and thought and the creation of music. Mm. And I appreciate the skill or the talent that's required to perform it the way that it's performed more so than the genre itself. So I feel that I really drift between, between different genres of music, but You've created hits and written hits and, you know. Love
0: this for me. Thank yeah, this you. Is, I'm, I'm, I'm like, you really? I'm yeah. like, oh,
1: See if I can thanks. enjoy this for a moment. Know, like, you know? <laughs> Would you say that I think there's maybe some misconception from the world outside and, you know, I've been lucky enough to interview a few artists before yourself who explain that it's not as simple as making one hit song and then life is figured out and solved and sorted. Um, yeah. You know, you've written songs that have like over 15 million streams. What is the reality of that like? How does that feel from the positive side of things and the buzz you get from it? Does it stress you out more so that oh, now I've got to write another hit? Like explain it's, the feeling.
0: It's really interesting because I have times where I'm writing songs and I'm like, oh my God, like this is the best song ever. Like I absolutely love this song and it can like get pitched around and everyone's like, mm. Like, no, not really, like not really a vibe. And then it'll be the song that I'm like least excited about that ends up being the song that does well. So that's like a really interesting um, thing for me as like a writer, I guess. Um, So I think for my, you know, my solo career, I'm like, I have to roll with the songs that mean the most to me that reflect – my journey and what I've been through in like the last two years. And I think just being really like real and open about, um, about what that journey has been like. And I know that it's like, oh, you know, we can record this song. Um, Like you might have two great songs um, and it's like, oh, you know, this song is going to work really well in a live show for people that don't know you because it's catchy. But then it's like, I think when people actually sit down and listen to the music on like the other songs more touching and i want to be the kind of artist that you know people when they're having like a really bad day or if they're really upset um you know that they can like turn on my music and feel like they're um being heard if that kind of makes For sense sure. so i think as an artist it's about navigating between like the party and the drinking songs and then like you know, the times where you're just like having a really bad day. Um, and I think it's trying to incorporate all of that into like a chapter and going, okay, like what does this album reflect? Where do I want to go with it? What is the main message that I'm trying to send to the listener? Yeah. Like what is the message of this kind of album? And then I think you structure, you know, your songs, you um, kind of around that and telling the story from like started here then it went to here and then it went a bit down then it went up again and then I fell in love and like la, 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 yeah. la. you know what I mean it's yeah. kind of telling the story like that um and then with the other you know writing songs for other artists it's like <laughs> most of the time it's like this is what the artist is looking for they mm. need like an upbeat party song about a boat or something like that and then I go in and go okay blah, 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 and yeah. then you just kind of make it up as you go
1: it's it's funny that you said there and this maybe surprises me a little mm. bit you spoke about creating for um creating a body of work for an album mm. would you say that maybe that's a little less of the focus now for artists because a lot of it yeah. is about the single
0: 100 and i think you know streaming has really changed you know the way that we write and release music now which yeah you know, I struggle with because I'm such an album person and I always have been and even, like, these days, like, I don't really listen to, like, playlists mm. as such. I love listening to an artist and listening to the album from start to finish. Um, maybe that's just because I'm super artistic. Uh, but, yeah, it's it's definitely changed a lot because now what's happening is, you know, it, it basically costs the same if you've got 12 songs, if you've released 12 songs at one time in comparison to releasing 12 singles, that's the same amount of money that's being spent yeah. and the album comes and goes like that, whereas with the 12 singles, you know, yeah. there's always something mm. fresh there that's getting picked up on Spotify and, and Apple Music and things like that and it's definitely a big thing with like, you know, your monthly listeners if the album comes out at once then people will listen to it for like a month then it dies down whereas if you've got those continuous singles and keeping your songs in playlists every single month then that's going to give your monthly listeners you know a a big turnover if that makes sense yeah
1: definitely because I just noticed now I, I can't remember who I was listening to the other day but one of my favorite podcasts which is it's so weird because I'm not musically talented or inclined <laughs> at all. I think most people who listen to this have probably heard me sing on the podcast before. Oh, I love that. Can you sing that? Um, I'm I'm not actually any good. Um, actually, not on this podcast. I don't know if you've seen, I've shared some clips from yeah. my time on the podcast with Taku yep. when we had Top Deck. And yeah, yeah. we quite often like to kick it off with like a bit of a romantic song or finish it off with a romantic song. Are, and it was, are you going to sing a it. song? I'm not going to sing a song here today, not in front of you, no. I'm
0: like, I can't because I, yeah. I have no voice. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm
1: not going to do I'm not going to test it in front of you. Um, but no I find that, you know, one of my favorite podcasts is Zane Lowe's podcast. Mm. And I love how he understands music. and I And I think I just love listening to creative people. So I love listening to artists talk about making an album or you know, what they're doing and how they get into their zone to write or to perform or whatever. And, you know, that he was interviewing someone the other day and they'd spoken about the fact that for like the first five years of their really viral career, they'd never written an album. Mm. They'd always released singles. And I was like, that's so different. That sounds so foreign to what the foundation of music was built on. Yep. And so, yeah, that's why I asked that question because it feels like the industry is changing a lot.
0: Yeah, definitely. And I think, you know, just with um, social media and TikTok and all that kind of stuff, it's like, you know, you have moments of like going viral like with a song but mm. it's for 24 hours. It's kind of it's kind of not so, like sustainable um, if that kind of makes sense. So it's just such a fast-paced, quick um, environment now where people, you know, are just kind of making content for the sake of it just to get it out. And I do think that we're losing, you know, why we, why we wrote songs in, in the first place. Um, I think it is really good, like, just as an artist to go back to the old way. My manager always tells me that I'm too old school, but I, you know, I love the old way of being like, okay, just having like a couple of weeks away from social media and the industry and things like that, going back to like doing you, processing whatever's going on in your life and then coming out with you know a fresh perspective because I think you can write things you can write the messy things when you're in the middle of it and then you can just leave it all go away for a few weeks think about it and then come back with like a fresh perspective of like okay now I can tell the story if that makes sense and I think it's about yeah finding the right way to like tell the story if that makes sense and just having it from you know telling the story from like a different perspective um you know and I think that we all kind of have different experiences and I think that like we were saying about before when you're an empath and when you're creative you do feel you know so much of like other people's stuff so I know for me like I'll always like sit down and and listen to someone's story because I'm like that's a really like interesting way of telling the story. I've never heard it, you know, be told like that before. Um, and, you know, for me as like a songwriter on on my next album that I've got coming, I feel like my first album was a lot of like, I'm in love, now I've had my heart broken and like, oh, now I'm back in love or like now I'm nostalgic or now I'm reminiscing. Um, and with this, this new album, you know, I had um, – a moment in my life where, you know, two people that were really, really close to me um, had been cheated on and things like that. And I wasn't in the relationship, but I saw the pain yeah. that came with, you know, having a marriage breakup and all that kind of stuff. So for me as an outsider, I was looking and going, okay, it's, it's my job to tell the story Mm. of what has happened not to be the what's the word? The the character. Yeah. In it's, it. Does it's that make sense?
1: Translating to yeah. the audience.
0: Yeah. So I think it's yeah, it's really important to just um sit back and just kind of watch. Definitely. Watch, observe and listen. And I think that's just as big um of a thing. Um obviously you've got to feel all your feelings and do all that stuff, yeah. but it is to just sometimes sit back, say nothing and watch and then create.
1: It's so true. Well, I feel like there's there's a world of problems and challenges happening, happening around us and it doesn't always take – I actually had a conversation with a mate about this the other day who's about to go off and, and do some really, really cool stuff and, you know, he said, sometimes I feel a little bit privileged because I haven't had any real challenges that have shaken me as a human being yet. And I said, but you don't always have to be the person who's in – in the face of adversity or in the face mm. of pain sometimes you've you've got a solution that you know will help other people with their problems mm. and that's all that you need yeah you just need to have like if you're an empathetic person as we spoke about <laughs> yeah. then, sometimes you just got to have the genuine intention to help and that's well enough
0: oh 100% 100% i just like love anybody that you know goes out of their way to do like nice things for people like I remember I was at like the petrol station oh this was like really random story I was filling my car up one day and I can't remember what was going on but this man just paid for my fuel for no reason no reason at all and like it was just the nicest thing ever I was like oh my god and then I think like the power of giving is like it's so important and so powerful because you do one thing for someone that's having a bad day, that's going to make them feel a little bit happier mm. about themselves, which means that they're going to be nicer to the next person that they meet. And there's such a flow on effect from it. And I just love it.
1: Well, you know, there's there's something that I was writing about recently, and I hate to bring this back to my keynote. It sounds like I'm really, I'm, <laughs> no, I love I'm really it. pitching myself here. If anyone wants to bloody <laughs> book me to speak on stage, let us know. I, um, I was writing in my keynote about one of, I think, the biggest and most important topics for us to understand and grasp in life is you know discovery of purpose and Mm -hmm. i think it's less discovery it's more crafting Mm -hmm. and i was writing about how a big part of crafting a purpose is and you know anyone who listened to the last podcast would have heard this you know my solo but there's two ways that i look at purpose there's a lady she's a wonderful speaker an incredible psychologist mel robbins and she seems to think that we all have the same purpose in life and she describes what she thinks human being's purpose to be is to be the truest version of yourself and be seen as that. Mm -hmm. And I tend to agree with her on one hand, but then I think what she's really getting to is that your purpose has to be your own. Mm -hmm. And then when I look at the idea of purpose and meaning in life, I think I come back to Jay Shetty's view on it. And Jay Shetty always talks about identifying what you're really passionate about Mm. and then asking yourself, how can you use that passion in service of others? Mm Mm-hmm. So as I started researching more about service and purpose and meaning for life, you know, there's a lot of studies that indicate through um, functional magnetic resonance imaging, so fMRI technology, that when they scan the brain, the brain is hardwired for altruism. So when you do something in service of other people, mm-hmm. you get the same stimulation and feelings that you get from food and sex. <laughs>
0: Love that. Yeah. yeah. How good. So
1: in depth. So it's like simple terms. When you serve other people, great pleasure comes from it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So as an artist, you have like an incredible opportunity to be of service to others. And everyone has that opportunity in life. And, you know, I encourage people listening to this or watching this that I think it's really easy when you're someone who seems to fit into what, um, you know, you you fit into a job or you're in a job at the moment that pays the bills and allows you to support your family and your people Mm it's easier to feel as though well, maybe I don't have a purpose in life and it's it's yep. not that at all there is ways that you can serve other people and find passion yeah. in your life outside of work work isn't always the be I all and this all.
0: this is the best chat I agree what's well, so important agree. because yeah.
1: people get discouraged mm-hmm. and you know it's I'm, I'm very lucky you're very lucky that we found our things early in life which meant mm-hmm. that we were able to pave a path for ourselves and mm-hmm. find a way to do it really at an early stage but I speak to people all the time who are in their sixties, yeah, and they're now starting to ask themselves these questions after a lifetime of you know looking after a family and raising kids, yeah, and they're like, you know, I feel like I never found my thing, and you know, I feel like I I haven't had a purpose, and I'm like, yeah, but maybe the greatest purpose ever is to be an amazing parent. And you provided for yeah, you know, two or three children and gave them you know a leg up in life and an opportunity, and yeah, you know, you've been a, of incredible service to other people, but. Now that you're not dependent as a parent, you know, you don't have dependent I children. I think it's
0: it's taking on a new role when it's taken sure, away from you and sure. you're like, Oh God, what's my role now? Yeah. And I was the parent and now they're gone. You've
1: got to ask that question. So then how can I be of service to someone else? And, mm. and I love in the arts when, you know, you, you've spoken about on a number of occasions throughout the course of this chat, you know, writing what's true and writing what's honest. Mm. And for me, like, what great meaning and purpose you get from that being of service to other people through vulnerability, through honesty, through a willingness to sit down and and think about what would help someone else who's listening to this right now.
0: Yeah. And I think it's uh, the funniest thing about music is like, you know, a song will take on so many different meanings um, for different people. Like, you know, I might have like one intention of, you know, what, what the song means to me when I write it, um, or when I'm performing it or whatever. And then I know I meet someone else that'll come up in like a signing line and be like, oh my God, like your song, like, you know, never in love or blah, 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 blah. And then they'll tell me a story, um, that, and it just takes on this whole new meaning for me because I was like, it never, I never thought about it in that way when I wrote the song. So the fact that it, you know, can take on so many roles in people's lives, yeah, it's just just a really amazing thing. And I think just, you know, going on about how important music is, like my trip to Africa.
1: I was going to ask you about this. It's yeah. Really yeah.
0: Yeah. And just, you know, having like being from like two completely different worlds and I didn't know what I was Getting into when I went over there, I was definitely very naive. I knew that it was going to be very, very different, but it was absolutely heartbreaking, you know, being over there. Uh, but then, you know, you see these kids that can't speak English or anything like that. And I would just get up and play my guitar. They had no idea what song I was singing, and they're just having the best time. Yeah. And I think just seeing like the joy. That music brings to people—it's just such a universal thing.
1: So, what got you to Africa, and whereabouts in Africa were you?
0: So, I'm an ambassador for an organization called International Needs Australia, and they sent me over to Uganda. Originally, we were supposed to go to Ethiopia, uh, but there was there was a war happening, mm. you know, in between those kind of few states at the time. So, they ended up sending us to Uganda. But where we were in Uganda, so like Bwikwe, that was the community, and we had South Sudan right above us okay. and the Congo right to the left. Yeah, wow. And there was a war going on mm. there at that time. So there were a lot of refugees that were coming down and fleeing those countries. Um, but yeah, it was definitely, definitely a very, very confronting
1: <laughs> week of my life. I, I just. Bet. Well, how long yeah. ago was this? This
0: was 2018.
1: So not that long ago.
0: No, not that long ago. It definitely scarred me. Definitely like it changed me as a person. Um, Just changed my perspective on how I live my life. Um, And even, you know, just seeing how different like cultures live. Um, You know, like witchcraft is a huge huge thing over there and I had no idea – obviously I knew that everyone was kind of, you know, living in poverty and things like that, but it's not only like poverty that's an issue or no access to fresh water. It's, you know, th- there's literally kids that have been killed every yeah. single week and while we were over there and I, I can remember I had, I had my 23rd birthday yeah. over there and like some of the days it was like, there's no water, there's no water left. So like we'd have dinner and I'm like, okay, like I'm really thirsty and like just kind of not yeah. knowing when you're going to get a drink of water.
1: It changes, like you said, your perspective, but your gratitude for what we take for granted yeah. here, yep. it changes everything. Yeah,
0: and I'm like I need to go to the toilet all the time. I'm just one of those girls. And it was like you'd have to go out all day and like when you need to go to the bathroom, there are none like yeah. we had you know the toilet that you know of like where we were staying but it's like when you're going into all these different communities and things like that all day they don't have toilets yeah there's there's no toilets like there's no no bathroom where you can just go in and turn on a tap the the water that they drink comes from like a hole in the ground like a dirty yeah dirty stream of water like and that's what they're drinking from
1: it's, isn't it a, a challenge as an empath to be, I guess, to be opened up to that and mm. that reality? Because mm. it's very easy to forget that that reality exists when we live in the world that we do oh, here. Yeah. Like my biggest challenge today was like, I have to go and set my gear up in a very... Nice location yeah. to shoot a podcast. I, like, it is a very nice what a, location. What a challenge! Like, I'm like I love Kira Street. Actually, yeah, this is yeah. my um
0: my grandmother grew up in Kira Street.
1: There you go. Yeah, there you go. Like, so there's history. Yeah, there's history. I love that. That's nice. I, I could say that. I knew that and wanted to make it nostalgic <laughs> for you. Yeah. Um, but but you know, when you're an empath, you're exposed to that truth, that harsh reality. Mm. You almost want to feel like you can. You want to help everyone, but yep. it's hard.
0: Yeah, and, like, you know, in the community that we were in, um, they sponsored – sorry, they didn't sponsor. They sacrificed um, one of our childlink kids. Mm. So basically it's like there's a child every every single week, you know, that will be killed. Um, And we were in that community at the time and for us it was awful because it was like there was a kid – that we we've, we've been in here all week with these kids and then it's like that kid's been like literally murdered like slaughtered in front of everyone and that was a like oh my a, god a, yeah, yeah like like very very traumatic um and i was just i was so traumatized at the time cuz i can remember like you know contacting my mom and talking to sam um my partner and i was i was just so traumatized by what i was seeing and what was happening and just kids that are just so malnourished and mm. they don't have food they don't have clean water they don't have clothes like to wear like they are sleeping in a dirty hut on the ground and i'm thinking gosh here i am you know able to drive around in my yeah. car every week i come home every night to food on the table. I can literally go to a tap, you know, it's like, even if you are homeless in Australia, you still have that access to fresh water. You can go to a bubbler in a park and you've got that. Whereas seeing, um, you know, just basically what happens in Africa just really broke my heart. And it was, had a really confusing time for me because I just had, you know, like my first um, CMC new artist nomination that was my first ever nomination. So I got nominated for New Artist of the Year. And I was flying straight from Africa to the Gold Coast. Mm. Um, And it was my first year of presenting. um, And it was my first time playing the festival. So I had gone from this world of like, you know, one of our kids being murdered right in front of us, having to call the family in Australia back. I mean, like... Okay, the child who's you know you've been sponsoring for the last however many years has been killed, um, and then okay, like now now you're back into artist mode. Forget about yeah, all the Africa stuff. So hard. Here you go running from the festival, you know, back to a presenter war, getting hair and makeup stylist, all that kind of stuff. And I was just, I was so traumatized because well, you would have been. I hadn't like processed everything, and it was just such a, a whirlwind. Um, And I can remember being at the after party and I'm like, I'm that person like that. I will like talk anyone's ear off about Africa. It just, it really changed my life and like shaped who I am as a person. I'll always have a few drinks and then have a cry about Africa. Mm -hmm. So I'm like anyone who will listen to me, I'm like all over it. Um, But yeah, it was, it was just really hard for me and I can remember just being in tears about it. Mm And I was trying to, you know, speak to people about what I had seen and and how much of a difference sponsoring a child or a family makes. And I just kind of felt like people were always very – and like I, I understand completely where they're coming from, but it was always very like, oh, how do you know that the money is going there? And I'm like, for the $5 a week that it costs you, that you would spend happily at the pub or on coffee or yeah. whatever that is, to literally save a kid's life and it's not just the child but it's the family you know whose life it saves because it means that the kids can go to school and they get two meals a day when they're at school but the kids don't go to school if they're not sponsored so it's literally the difference between them having a meal between them having food and not having food and you know through the program we built um and the money that we raised we built water pumps into the school so they can actually pump fresh water so if they're not going to school then they don't have that fresh
1: water or food it's just such a reality check isn't it and it for me it's it makes it so much clearer and so present that if you are blessed enough to have the opportunities that we have in a country like australia Hmm. just don't take it for granted oh yeah and we do oh we we so do we're we're all guilty of it at times but it's just Recognize how grateful you should be for what we have right here. Mm,
0: I think so, and I think like I always say, everybody needs to go to Africa in their life because it honestly just changes you, Mm. really, really changes you as a person. And I think you come back with such a different um, perspective. And like I, I was lucky enough to meet like my sponsor family over there. So I sponsor family and, and kids every month, and being able to actually go and meet them and things like that just um yeah it was really amazing like just to go and see where they live and the difference you know the small difference that I've made you know just through doing that and I I still get I get like my sponsor letters like from the kids and and things like that and yeah it's just um it's a really rewarding thing so I really hope that I can get back to Africa like in the next year and I know that my my fiance will be like I don't want you to go back to Africa um but you know if there's anything that I do in my life I I want it to be that charity work because you know putting yeah it's great to play big festivals and get like award nominations and play music but I think as a person the thing that really fulfills me the most is that kind of charity work
1: Definitely. It's our service of others, right? Oh, yeah. And we'll make sure that in the show notes of the today's show, there's links to the charity so yeah. people can have a
0: look. That, Sorry, I, I did go like the long-winded version of that conversation to get back no, to no, I love it. <laughs>
1: the power service. Hey, that's why we're here. That's why we're here. It's all about, it's all about I'm stories. like, welcome
0: to my brain. I'm like, there's about like, there's 50
1: stories that are like intertwined. Yeah. And t- all the different little compartments of yeah. meaning. Oh, yeah. yeah. I want to dive into a part of the show that has become a little bit of a tradition. Mm. So it's five questions and five answers. So some of the audience will be hearing this as almost a trailer to the full conversation because it's released in two separate doses. Mm. Um, Or this will be the beautiful conclusion at the end of the show for people who have been here with us from the start. So ask five questions. They're usually the same, but I think I'm just going to freestyle today. I'm like, I love freestyle. Whatever comes to the top of my mind. Okay. Okay. So the first question would be, what's something on your life bucket list, not just a bucket list as an artist, but your life bucket list that you've not yet ticked off that you're excited about? Shark diving. Like I, like I
0: wanted to go shark diving for so long. Um, and my mum always tells me that I have a death wish because <laughs> I love like anything that's like, you know, adrenaline pumping, like I just love that kind of stuff. So that's. That's gonna be on my bucket list for this year to for go shark year, diving. I like it. But you know what, I would just I would love to go to Europe. Um and just, you know, experience um life just kind of as a normal person. I feel like all the travelling I've kind of done has always been very centered around being a musician mm-hmm. and things like that. And I, I just wanna take the time to like go to some beautiful beaches and just eat some great food and just um, not be the artist, if that makes sense.
1: Definitely. The second question I have for you is, this one may take a little bit of courage to answer. Oh, gosh. But I'm going to challenge you here. What's something that you'd like to achieve in the course of the next five years of your career that you'd like to put out and almost manifest on the podcast?
0: Ooh, that is a really hard one. Um...
1: Gosh, it stumped me. The reason I like this question is because I found that there's something about putting an intention out to the world that almost mm. encourages you to to mm. set it in motion. Great example, the first time I ever announced that I'd run a marathon for charity. Yeah. Was fucking terrifying. Yeah. But in the same breath it, it gave me a level of commitment. So I wonder is there something in your career that you feel is the next stage for you or the next step a part of what you'd like to consider the next chapter
0: i would love uh, one thing that's always been on my bucket list is to play a cma fest um and cma fest is you know like the american version of you know the country music festival and it is huge and I've been at like every every single CMA fest um, in America. It's in the middle of summer. Um, so I think, you know, I would love to actually go over to Nashville as an artist during festival time, not just be there as a punter, yeah. but be there and actually play the festival as an artist. So I want to have my name on the CMA lineup.
1: I love it. Yeah. Wonder. Third question is a consistent one. It's what is the biggest challenge you've faced that's required the most growth to overcome?
0: um, Knowing that, how can I phrase this? Not being busy doesn't mean that I'm lazy. (laughs) Self-care is essential and it is okay to not work every single day. I love that. I'm a shocker. I'm just like... I just feel like I need to be doing something all the time and I know that being a musician is like you're just always on mm. and it's always there's such a a hustle um, like a hustle thing in, in the music industry where it's like if you're not hustling or if you're not working your absolute ass off then you're not being taken seriously as an artist and I think it is really important to step back and be like, it's actually okay, it doesn't mean that I don't have passion for it or that I don't care about my career if I have a day off.
1: Well, I think at some point down the line we got confused with the definitions of busy and productive. Mm -hmm. And I think part of being productive is looking after yourself. 100%. Because that's the long game, right? Like if you don't have that sense of yourself, if you haven't taken care of you, Mm. then the vehicle you need to get there. Just won't be sustained.
0: And it, it's funny because like earlier this year, that exact thing happened to me. Like there were some months where I was like just not having any days off yeah. at all. I was working seven days a week, just going constantly. Um, and what actually happened was I I thought I had food poisoning um, and then I thought I had gastro. I, I wasn't sure what was happening. And basically I was vomiting for like a whole week straight and I thought, okay, this must just be a really severe case of food poisoning. Um, And after I probably got to like the sixth or like seventh day and I wasn't getting any better and I I was at the point where I couldn't open my eyes, like I couldn't – I hadn't eaten for pretty much a whole week. Um, And my mum came over and she's like, I think I need to take you to the hospital so they ended up taking me to the hospital and by this point I had been coughing up blood and things like that. and we got into emergency and they couldn't, you know work out what was wrong with me, but I was just coughing up blood, non-stop vomiting, mm. um, things like that. and my, bro- my ugh, can't talk, my blood pressure was so low at the time, and they ended up working out that I had a really severe, um infection in my bowel and my kidneys just everywhere and it had just spread um over the course of of the week and my blood pressure was dropping really dramatically so they were trying to get me up into a ward and they'd be like okay yep there's a bed we need to take you up and then my blood pressure would have dropped again okay so they'd have to stabilize me again to take me up everything would be all ready to take me up again and then it would drop so i had like a few days of like you know where I had to stay in emergency because they couldn't take me up, um, and I'd been in hospital for days. At this point, I ended up going into into a ward, and they just could not stabilize my blood pressure. I'd started antibiotics. I'd been on them for you know maybe three or four days at this point, and five liters a drip of drip a day. Yeah, which is and heavy. I just was not my. Blood pressure was plummeting, um, and that was pretty scary because I think that was when I realized how sick I was, and my body just wasn't wasn't fighting fighting it like it should have. So, like, I nearly went into intensive care. Um, I can just remember all of these doctors like standing around my bed, being like, "Okay, like this is really concerning. Like, she's not not getting any better, and there was kind mm. of nothing else that they could." Kind of do for me, so that was definitely really scary. So I had a good two weeks of not being able to do anything other than lay in a bed. I literally couldn't talk, you know. And they were yeah. just feeding me endo in the whole time that I was in there.
1: So you're not um, even a sense of yourself, really. Oh like gosh, no. So spaced out.
0: Oh, so spaced out. Um, <laughs> I'd like wake up, have a chat for like two minutes, and then just go. Straight back to sleep, yeah. but yeah, I was too like too sick for visitors, and it took me like weeks and weeks and weeks, and I lost about I don't know maybe seven kilos or something when I was in hospital, and it was definitely a good wake up call just in terms of you know not having an eating disorder relapse. Yeah, uh, in that time, um, it was definitely a bit of a contributing factor as well as to why my body wasn't recovering uh, the way it should have. Um, so I'm just really lucky that at that point I had enough weight on me to basically yeah. for, for my organs to not shut down, if that makes sense. Definitely. So yeah, definitely scary. Um, and I think it's just important to look after yourself and just be like, it's okay to have a, a rest day and it's okay to like, just eat the pasta. Bloody so now I'm like, look, I'm just going to eat the pasta. And, um, I'm like, I I need to force myself to rest because I'm yeah, just definitely. not that kind of person. But I'm like, okay, even if it's for like four hours a day, i will just, you know.
1: A little bit of you time. A little
0: bit of me time.
1: Even if it's just an I probably Netflix sound binge. like the craziest person on this podcast. No, I fully get it. I fully get it.
0: I think, you know, when you're like a creative and like when you're so passionate about what you do um, and you work really hard, like you you kind of just do anything for it. Yeah, if that for makes sure. Sense. Like for sure, it's
1: it's pure passion.
0: Yeah, pure passion.
1: Pure passion. I get yeah. it. Yeah. My fourth question to you would be, you know, in the space of music <laughs> and <stomach's> rumbling, <laughs> love that. <laughs> you talking about, talking, about <laughs> fear, talking about pasta. That's why. In the space of music and um, this creative world, who would you say are? I'm going to ask for two influences, mm-hmm. right, and two people that you look up to in the space. One that would make sense as a country music artist, but another that would maybe be a little bit outside of the box. Ooh. It doesn't even have to be a musician.
0: That's a really hard question. I feel like it definitely needs to be a musician. I would say probably Halsey.
1: Yeah, okay. Very talented. Yeah.
0: I. There's a lot of pop artists that, you know, you listen to and I'm like, that's just country. Like it's it's just dressed up in a, in a pop production. Yep. Um, and I think it is really interesting, you know, the way that people write songs now. I think there is a lot of um, country music songwriting. The way that a mm. lot of people write, I think a lot of, the, you know, the greatest songwriters write country music. Um, and it's literally just like how you decide to deliver it. As to whether it's like country or whether it's pop, um, and what kind of production you have behind it, yeah, which you puts it into that category, if that makes sense.
1: Do you think we're in a phase where, because people are getting very talented with production, and there are many different ways to skin a cat, essentially, when it comes mm-hmm. to music? Do you think that we're we're entering a phase where genres will become less of a focal point?
0: Yeah, I think so. I know, you know, when I first started in country music, I can remember going to like the CMC Rocks Festival as a punter and mm. I'm like a teenager at this point. And I can remember like, you know, watching Catherine Britt and Jasmine Ray and all these people that I looked up to and I was like, oh, my God, like that's just, you know, amazing. Um, and I never thought that, you know, that would have been me you know 10 years later being up there on stage and I think from that period of time to now like it the game has changed so much because there's all of these different little pockets and I think that is because of you know streaming and things like that that people aren't limited to like what they hear on the radio so it's like if you listen to the radio the only way that you know you're going to hear of an artist is like if they come on the radio whereas you know with streaming um it introduces you to so many different artists and yeah. I think radio is definitely becoming less and less important don't get me wrong it still has its very firm place but I think it's changing um and I think there's all of these subgenres now that make up not just country music but music as a whole and like like we were saying about that like that country like hip hop thing where there's all yeah, those there's people fusion. that are doing like, throw throw it back. And then there'll be like a dong dong, like in the yeah. background. And it's like, you know, 10 years ago, like people would have laughed at yeah. that. Um, but I think it's amazing to like chuck a few different genres together. And if it works, then just because it doesn't fit into, you know, a certain category doesn't mean that it's not good. If it's good, it's good. Definitely. Um, and if people like it, then people like it. And that should be the biggest indicator, I think, of, you know, breaking an artist. Like if the artist is good and they have good songs and people like it, then good. Like don't 100%. try to change them. Don't try to fit them into a box just so other people can yeah. relate just to celebrate it. celebrate it. You know, yeah, yeah, if that makes sense. And I think that's a big thing with like record labels and working out how to market and artist it's like okay well there's all of these categories that we have to fit them into what kind of category are we going to put them into yeah and i think that's you know what is changing the game up so much with streaming and things like that you're seeing all of these huge artists now that are exploding on streaming Mm. services that don't have a record label that you know haven't had you know like huge exposure or anything But they're getting that traction on streaming because people just like their songs. So it's like at the end of the day, you can have a great record label and have all the people in the world doing whatever for you. But if your music's good and the people like it, they're going to get behind you. And I think that we forget that the people that are listening to the music are actually the biggest teachers. They're the people that you need to listen to because if they don't like what you're doing, then they're not going to listen to it. I love that. Yeah, it's very well yeah. said. Well it's it's such an easy thing. You yeah, know? for
1: sure. It's it's in any in any space of entertainment. Yeah. That's true.
0: And they're the people that are like buying tickets to your show and supporting you. So without like without them there's there's no career.
1: They're the currency, right? Yeah. My last question is a question that is a consistent one, my favorite question. Oh, okay. And but I'm gonna challenge you to answer it in a different tone. So I would often ask people if you had one message stomach that you could share. Is the one, rumbling. St- the stomach is
0: I'm so sorry. Which is why
1: it's, it's probably a good thing that we're about to conclude this podcast because your stomach is like, get me out of here, get me to lunch.
0: I'm like, I'm hungry. <laughs> sorry. So I'll make, I'll make
1: this one quick for you. What would be your message to the world if you could encourage the world to receive this message and act on it? But I want you to wrap it up and pick a message that has been presented or shared to us in a song or lyric. So I guess let me refine that question. Is there a song lyric that you think would encompass your message to the world?
0: Oh, gosh. You know what? I know exactly what this is going to be. Always stay humble and kind. It's a song by a country music singer called Tim McGraw. And the words in the song are like, hold the door, say please, say thank you. Um, Don't steal, don't cheat, don't lie. I know you've got a mountain to climb, but always stay humble and kind. Um, And I think, you know, that's just such an important thing, just to remember who you are and just always be kind to people. It costs nothing to be nice to people. And I think there's too much negativity in the world. And I think especially with Facebook and things like that, Um, just social media on a whole there's such a thing of like I have the right to have an opinion and yeah. it's like no one's saying that you don't but if you're going to share your opinion in a mean way, like it just doesn't need to be shared and, and I always think about what the intention is behind whatever you say. Like if you're going to make a really nasty comment about someone and especially someone that you don't know if it's just like a public forum thing or group on facebook if the intention behind it is to just be nasty then it's like you probably just shouldn't say that that's something that you can just keep to yourself it's fine to have your opinion but you know maybe share something that's a little bit nicer because i think like we were saying before that flow on effect from just the power of words um and how you treat people i think it's just yeah really important to just know that everyone has their own shit going on all the time and you might think that someone's going well, but like they might not be. So, you know, you just doing something like just saying thank you or opening the door of someone could be like the difference in how their day starts or ends. So I think, yeah, always stay humble and kind.
1: What a beautiful way to finish the I love that. I
0: I wish I wrote those lyrics. I'm like, I wish I could take credit for that. Oh,
1: you know, put your 3% on them, you know. Yeah, look, no. Nah. Mix and master it pop's in not, somewhere. props not going to happen. I should just send it to him and be like, here yeah. you go, Tim. Here you go, Tim. Just a little confirmation that you're doing that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I yeah. Think. I absolutely love that we've been sitting here for an hour and a half. Oh, my God, like I know. Minutes.
0: We've actually been sitting here for longer than an
1: hour and a half. We have. Because
0: we had like an hour chat before, before We had the podcast. a podcast
1: before the podcast, <laughs> which is often so often the case. I love it. You know, which it's is good. great. And I just want to say thank you to you. Thank you for making music and art that means something. Thank you. Thank Thank you you for for having me. You know, so supportive and so kind in me pursuing my dreams and what I love. I really appreciate that you get behind me. I appreciate that you've taken the time to come and be a part of the show and share your story with the amazing people who listen to and watch this show and allow it to thrive and survive. And I hope that many of your audience are here listening to this and, and loving the conversation too. So Thank you so much. All of your links to the the charity work that you do, your socials will be in the show description. So for everyone looking and seeking those things, you can find them right below. And yeah, thank you so much. I'm so excited for your future, what it has to hold. And I know that you're going to do amazing things regardless of where this takes you and what direction that you find yourself in the music space. I know you're destined for great things. So Missy, it's been a pleasure.
0: Cheers. Thank you.